Welcome to Conversations with Toy, a blogcast tackling life one episode at a time. This is the time to air out life's craziest moments. This space is all about speaking about life's hang-ups and ways in which we can leave better than when we started. Topics are all about ways we can find space to be better in life, love, mental space and health. Friday. I am super excited to be back with you guys. I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am. If this is your first time tuning into Conversations with Toy, welcome. We invite you into this space. This space will make you think, sometimes it'll make you cry. Hopefully it'll make you laugh from here and there. We like to bring in conversations that you may be thinking about, I may be thinking about, but you may not know how to go about bringing up the topic. It may be topics that are uh, serious in nature. We may talk about things that happen on these internet streets, whatever the case may be. I'm so glad to have you here. It is not by mistake that you are here. So welcome, get comfortable and let's dive in. So where have I been the last two weeks? So the last two weeks, I've actually been sick off and on. I got sick the first time I got a little minor cold, kind of took me out for a few days, got better, or at least I thought I did. Then at some point I got this huge and horrible bad air infection that literally almost took me out. And then lastly, I ended up getting the flu. So I got to be honest, I will have to say that it's probably somewhat my fault. I did not take, or I stopped taking my vitamins for whatever the reason was, or not being consistent with it. So I felt like my immune system was like, we got you. And so it literally took me out and I am just grateful to be back. So if my voice sounds still a little bit raspy, forgive me, but we're going to keep on moving because I don't want to delay it any more weeks. Um, I wanted to make sure that I could get out and get, you know, the information to you guys and just have a conversation because we have not spoken in such a long time. But what I will say is thank you to everyone who's continued to support the podcast. Y'all were still showing up, listening to old episodes. The last time we came together was right around Thanksgiving. You know, the holidays are hard. So we will be talking today about how to navigate the holiday space. And I can't really tell you how to do it, but I can give like suggestions, things that I feel like has worked for me. And I want you to take what you need and leave what you don't, right? If it doesn't apply, let it fly. Because the holidays is a tough time for a lot of people. Whether you're dealing with grief, whether you're dealing with, you know, feeling lack of support. Let me tell you something about support. When you don't feel like you're completely supported, it literally does something to you. Like you can't get your mind through it. You know, you're struggling to just simply exist, And feeling like nobody is there to support the things that you need, like that has to feel and it it does feel very debilitating because it's like, why am I not being supported? What am I not doing? What should I do more? And so you begin to question yourself as it being a reflection of yourself. But to be honest with you, sometimes raggedy people just simply exist and it's hard to try to find your, your, your village, right? When I got pregnant, Everybody was talking about these villages and my biggest being stuck was thinking that my village needed to include like my parents, um, my friends and things like that. And I'm not saying that they were not a part of it, but when I began to move from my small town to Philadelphia, it became harder to manage and became harder to see. You know, in the beginning I was riding home, like it's about an hour and a half ride. 
I was taking that ride home almost every other weekend because I just could not and would not allow myself to be solidified here. Like I could not and would not allow myself to plant, to, you know, plant my roots here in Philadelphia. Yes, I had my fiance at the time. I had a child, you know, that was like two or three. I had a baby on the way. Really no reason as to why I shouldn't have been able to plant, you know, my ground here and plant my roots. But I just, it was hard for me. And when I didn't realize how much I was dealing with postpartum depression, I didn't realize how much my anxiety played a huge part of that. So for a while, it took a long time because I felt like it stunted my growth. But because my village, I wanted my village to look a certain way, I wasn't receptive to the village that was becoming or was forming. And sometimes when you move away from your family, you kind of start your life, you have your family, you're doing your thing, or let's say you don't even have a family. Let's just say you're moving and starting something new. When you live in a small town and you go from small town to a big city, it's a huge adjustment. And so maybe you're single and you just got a new job offer and you're like, listen, I got to make this move across, you know, across the way. It may be hours away. It could be another country, whatever it may be. The hardest part is literally just leaving. You know, finally getting the courage to pack up and go. And then when you get to where you're going to go, it's like all the anxiety of, will I make friends? Why am I not making friends? What's going on? Um, How do I navigate finding, you know, simple things like a new hairdresser, a new nail tech, a, you know, the new grocery store that you may have gone to. Because in Philadelphia, there's like a bunch of shop rights and Acme's. There's no shop rights in Acme's and Lancaster. So it's like, I got used to giant. I got used to certain stores that were relevant to small town and not the same as being in Philadelphia. Simple things like that. Where do I go to get good flowers? You know, there's no Trader Joe's once you get certain, certain past a certain point in Philadelphia. So once you leave out, there's no Trader Joe's in Lancaster. The nearest closest Trader Joe's is the one near me. And so like little things that sometimes we take for granted when we move and we're looking for support. So being from a small town, I would hear people say things like, oh, I can't wait to leave this place. I'm so tired of being here. And they were ready to go. Like they would always be like, at the end of the year, I'm going to be moving. At the end of the year, I'm going to be out of here. I can't take it. I'm not going into a new year. Being from this little town, this little town sucks. There's all these type of people, all this drama. And so they can't wait to leave. I'm not against that, right? I don't think I ever was the type of person like that was like, I can't wait to leave. But if I did, then it was what it was. But this this is the lesson that I learned in that. When you leave, whether you're in a small town, big city, and you are so ready to go, there are going to be some things that if you have not worked out within yourself, you will literally take that from one location to the other. For instance, I know people who have moved and they're just like, oh, it's the small people in the small town. I can't stand them. I can't figure this out. I can't navigate this space, right? Happens to the best of us. But then they get into these new spaces and they're living the same way as if they were in a small town, right? So all the things that they said they were going to do, they're not doing. All the ways in which they were going to move and do certain things, they're not doing. Because sometimes it's not the location. It's going to be you. As harsh as that sounds, sometimes it's just us. Leaving from one place to another doesn't stop the things that you're struggling with. If you're not a friendly person, moving from one place to another isn't going to ensure you have friends. If you're not a friendly person and you're not coming off as a friendly person, if people cannot, if you have the type of face and personality where people cannot, they don't, they don't feel comfortable talking to you, right? Basically, you're not warm. 
I was always taught in order to be a, to make a friend, you had to be a friend, right? And in order to be a friend, you have to have that welcoming spirit. People are not going to want to talk to people who look or appear or come off as sour faces, right? They're just not. So if you're struggling with friends and maintaining relationships in the small city that you're in and you move to a bigger one, it just gives you more space to do things. Yes. But it's not going to stop the fact that it's not the space. It's you having to navigate why you're coming off the way that you're doing. Is it trauma that you've dealt with? Is it past pain and hurt that you just have not, you know, tapped into? You need to see a therapist to work out some things. Is it sometimes your conversation, your awkwardness? Because I know I have moments when I'm socially awkward. And so in my social awkwardness, it may come off as like, oh, she's being, you know, what people would say weird, or maybe she's doing this and doing that. All of these things are affecting the way that you navigate space and making new relationships. And also, let me just say, people say as you get older that making friends is hard or I mean, I'm sorry, it makes it seem as it's easy. But sometimes as you get older, it becomes harder. You don't have, and the reason why is that when we were younger, we didn't really care too, too much about how people felt about us. Like we did care, but it wasn't as strong as it is when we become an adult. And sometimes our own checks and balances that we have within us makes us hesitate. So we're not as warm or as welcoming as it is when you were a kid. Now I was a military brat. We moved several times, sometimes even in the same school year. And so with doing that, oftentimes that whole new, you know, finding friends and talking to new people and navigating new spaces was hard at the very beginning, but I was more likely to do it then than I am as an adult. And so I have to be honest with that, you know, moving from one place to another will not guarantee your life is going to just blossom into whatever it is that you want. If you're not putting the energy into it again, sometimes our past traumas and our issues that we bring to the table are literally our issue, our problem. And we don't even realize how debilitating we don't even realize that it is affecting us. And so let's just be real with that. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about the holidays. The holidays is soon upon us. Like we're kind of like in the holiday spirit. We are in the holiday press. If you follow me on social media at Toy Time Blog, you know I'm everywhere. It seems like I'm never sitting down, right? But there's a lot of stuff that goes behind the scenes that I, as a normal human being, deal with. So yes, you may see me around the city. You may even see me travel out. But the reality is I still deal with the same things that people deal with. My anxiety levels of dealing with new people in new spaces as I navigate, you know, these holiday fun examples or fun times is real. You know, going into a new space that I have never gone before, meeting new people that I have never met before does, it it gets, gets to me from time to time, right? For instance, you know, there are certain PRs that I work with that I have a talking relationship. I can text them. I can call them. We busted up. We laugh. They're becoming friends. Some of them are friends. Some of them are still just on that PR side, but we have a great rapport, but I have been expanding my territory by working with other PRs that I have never even heard of, never even worked with before. You know, some people have been referring me to some new PRs and I didn't even ask and I'm not, and I'm super grateful for that. That lets me know a couple things. One, people see that I'm doing the things that I'm doing and they can trust that if they put me on their team to start doing some things with them, that I'm going to turn it around and give you what you need just the same way, you know, when you ask, you're going to get, right? So that makes me feel blessed that my friends and the people that I hang out with, the people that I work with, see the value and they're willing to speak, say my name in rooms that I'm not even aware the room exists. That's a beautiful thing. But working with new PRs, working with new people, you have that nervousness. You have that anxiety of, 
oh my God, this is new space. This is new people. Will I be received? You know, let me go in as my true authentic self. So that way, if they don't like me, we can just cut the ties that bind right now. And that's always nerve wracking. So I say all that to say that there are just going to be times in our life where we're going to be challenged. We're challenged to do something different, do things that we've never done. Um, a couple weeks ago, I would say probably last week. So last week I went to New York. Now I've been to New York a number of times. I've conquered a new fear every time I've gone to New York. Now for all my New Yorker listeners, I am not saying anything negative about New York. I think New York is a beautiful place. The hustle and bustle is not for everybody. And I am everybody right? But I have been blessed to have a challenge every time I've traveled to unlock something different for myself, for like my personal unlocking. Like I go for business most of the time, but even still with even in going for business, I find that I am unlocking some type of uh, anxiety or some type of fear or some type of something that's on the inside. So for this particular trip, um, me and my friend Nikki, we drove to Jersey. She drove her car. I was, you know, I was a passenger and she drove to New Jersey and then we got on the transit, you know, to get to Penn Station. I had never done that before. Normally when I go, I drive down, I park in my hotel, which is still nerve wracking because y'all New Yorkers driving is another level. Like I feel like if I can drive in New York, there's no place I can't drive. If I can survive the streets of driving in New York, I'm golden no matter where I go. And I've even conquered it in LA. So I know for a fact that I may not be the best driver, but if I can handle New York in LA, I'm golden, right? And so the times before I would just go, I would drive, I would get to my hotel and then I would just navigate the city either usually by Uber or however, you know, however it would roll. But going on the transit, being on the to Penn Station is another level of one, sometimes confusion. My anxiety level was high. Um, I was grateful that me and Nikki had a rapport that it made me feel a little bit more calm. She was a little bit more um, knowledgeable of how to move and, and do things in New York, which made it, made it help. It, it, it just helped in such great ways, right? So I unlocked that anxiety of like being on the subway or getting to Penn Station or navigating the city and getting to where I needed to be and then getting back home. Like that was anxiety unlocked. Things like that happen all the time. So during the holidays, finding something different, exploring something different, being uncomfortable and then learning how to get comfortable in your skin is, it's interesting, right? It's just an interesting movement. So I've done that. And during the holidays, so I'll just share something that happened to me this week. So this week I was wondering why I was just like feeling like kind of emotional. And I was like, what is going on? Why am I feeling this way? And I was listening to a song. So if you've ever heard the first Noel is you're going to hear the first Noel during this Christmas holiday season, 20 million times. So the other day I was cleaning my house from top to bottom. Cause you know, trying to get things organized and ready. And I normally hear the John P. Key version um, of the first Noel. So John P. Key in the New Life Community Choir for all of my PKs, the people who have gone to church, they know this music. They know him as an artist. He is like one of the, for me, he's just like a staple of the gospel choir music era. So I'm always going to be team John P. Key. I can have the lowest of lowest days and listen to a John P. Key song, a Fred Hammond song, a Kurt Franklin song, all of these different artists, Commission, 
now I'm telling my age because I'm talking about old school schoolish type music that it just resonated with me but on the first noel of the john p key version i can normally hear the first set of chords and i will fast forward that song and i've been doing that for the last couple of years and i just couldn't understand it so i ended up calling my therapist just like hey i'm really feeling overwhelmed but while i was cleaning the house i had left my phone on the second floor and came down to the first floor so i wasn't able to stop the song from playing and so now the song has gone from the first set of chords to the full chorus. Now I get upstairs to the second floor, which is where my bedroom is. And now I'm hysterically crying. I'm overwhelmed with emotion. I'm all besides myself and I just couldn't figure it out. So I called my therapist and we talked about it. And then we realized, or she helped me to unlock, to realize that that song in particular is associated with my great grandfather who passed around this time um, of the year. So my great-grandfather passed when I was a freshman in high school. I remembered it very vividly because I had gotten the solo for to sing Silent Night um, for the, the school's choir. That solo opposition, position had never been given to a freshman before. I was the first freshman to sing that at the concert. Because my great-grandfather passed away, obviously unexpectedly, I was able to sing it for the school, but I wasn't able to sing it for the they, you know, the night choir where the parents come. So I wasn't able to do it for that, but I did sing it for the school. And so going up to South Carolina and coming back from South Carolina, where he re resided and we had his funeral and celebrated his life. I remember that particular version of the first Noel. And that, I guess, well, I don't guess my therapist helped me to unlock was the reason why I always fast forward that song. So I do believe in song recognition. I do believe in music therapy. And so she had instructed me to, you know, let it loop, like play the song in a space where you feel comfortable and let the song loop and to reassociate the song with the fact that, you know, it celebrates his life. And even though it does represent a painful point, I have a daughter that is named Noel. And so I can take that song association, remember him um, for how, you know, for who he was in my life. And the great stories and things that I celebrate about him and also incorporate that with my daughter and the fact that her name is Noel and that this time of year she gets completely tickled every time she hears the first Noel because in her mind that song was made for her like these artists came together and made a song specifically for her but grief is very real around this time of year. There are people who are grieving all kinds of uh, things and not just the loss of a person. Some people are grieving the loss of jobs. They're grieving the thought process of what they're, who they think they're supposed to be because we are at the end of the year. And so when you get to the end of the year, you begin to reflect, you reflect on what am I doing? What am I, what didn't I do? You know, what should I have done? I don't think I've done enough. Maybe I could have made different, you know, moves. I should have done things differently and it can be very overwhelming. So if you're listening to this and grief seems to have a chokehold on you, you find yourself crying, you find yourself overwhelmed, you find yourself just struggling in all the things, you are not alone. I can only encourage you that if you have someone that you can communicate that story to, I'm going to most definitely encourage you to do so. You have a therapist, you have somebody that you can talk to, I want you to go ahead and do it. Um, this time of the year, therapists are on high alert because they know that people are going to need them. I'm going to highly suggest that you go ahead and make an appointment. If you already are seeing a therapist or if you have never seen a therapist and you want to start the process, the process can take a few weeks. 
I get it. There's things online that you can do it kind of quickly. And I definitely encourage you to do so. But if you're not able to do so and you have to go the more traditional route, please be encouraged that it sometimes can take a while to get set up. And I say that because sometimes we think that we can just call, tell somebody our issues and they'll just put us through. And it doesn't always work that way. Another thing I would suggest is you going to your family doctor and talking to them to get this, you know, this process started. You don't necessarily have to go to your doctor, but you can start there. Um, especially if you feel that you need medication or something to help regulate you, you can start that process with your family doctor who can then re you know, refer you to a psychiatrist that can refer you to a therapist that can refer you to the services that you need. It may even make it easier for your insurance purposes, all those things. Um, if you don't have insurance, please, you know, still navigate the system and there's always therapists that will do a sliding scale depending on what you make, they may even be able to give you a few sessions for free. Do that. If you work and you are having a job, you have a job, you may be able to get services through your job. Um, a lot of people don't realize their employee assistant program that will help you. It's called EAP. Most jobs have some type of version of that. It may not necessarily be called EAP, but go ahead and get yourself set up so that you can begin the process of healing. Uh, therapy is not a one-stop shop and done therapy is work on your part. You cannot simply just tell somebody how you're feeling and just walk out the door. And there's going to be times even in therapy where you're going to be frustrated, mad. I used to have to sit in my car for like maybe 30 minutes before I can even drive home. Or once I got home, I was so overwhelmed with emotion that I was so tired. I couldn't even play with my kids. I would have to go to bed. These are all very real parts of the therapy process. So I want you to go ahead and tap in because you know, you need that. So for today's guest, we have Juliet Caraman, and she is a UK, I said a UK based mind and body coach and teacher on relationships, sex, intimacy, healing, and trauma. She specializes in the reinvention of the most intimate relationship in life, the one that we have with ourselves. Juliet helps highly impactful women who, despite being successful in their business, feel trapped in their perfect lives, rediscover who they are outside of being an entrepreneur, a wife, and a mother, and experience all the pleasures and possibilities of life again. She works with many couples who are working on improving their relationships and sex life. For example, Juliet has an interesting story about a couple who was nearly about to file for divorce and three months later after they worked with her, they were completely full of love and happier than ever. So in this particular episode, we are going to talk about intimacy and how that relates to our mental wellness. So this may be a conversation that you may want to not play out in the open if you have children around. We don't really get into like the nitty gritty of it, but we do talk about different things that deal with intimacy with a partner. And to be honest with you, even if you're single, it's a good lesson to listen to because again, intimacy is not built in the bedroom. Intimacy is built outside of it. And sometimes your mental wellness, the way that you feel about your body comes into play. If you've ever had trauma and you're with a partner or you're navigating the dating space, sometimes you may find that you're not able to tap in, but it has nothing to do with your partner. It has all the things to do with the way you see yourself. Um, for me, sometimes I do things where I'll look in the mirror, just look at my body in this most, you know, glorious moment, meaning no clothes on, no makeup on, no, you know, any of those things and like really appreciate my body in every stage. Like no matter if I've gained weight, no matter if I've lost weight, no matter if I stayed the same, whatever the case may be, because the way that we look at our body and the way that we deal with trauma, especially in the sexual nature really does a lot for us. And, um, 
you know, and how we, how we interact with the, uh, the person of the opposite sex or the same sex, whatever your preference. And so we're going to get into that conversation with, um, Jennifer, just so that we can make sure that I'm Juliet, I'm sorry, so that we can make sure that we are prepared to have that conversation about intimacy. Again, these are conversations that you might've thought about. These are things that you may talk to about with your girlfriends or close girlfriends, but you're just unafraid to really tap into that as an open forum. And so in this conversation, we're going to talk just about that. How do you navigate the intimacy of navigating body image issues, navigating, you know, the intimacy with a partner. And so we welcome Juliet to the conversations with toy family and let's dive in. There we go. All right. Conversations with Toy com uh, community, family, family. I call you all the things. Welcome to another podcast. Now, this is actually the first podcast that I've had in two weeks because you know that I have been sick. And if you don't, now you know. Uh, so now that we are finally back together, why would I not have a treat for you guys, right? So we are going to be talking about all kinds of things with mental health, but we're also going to be talking about sex intimacy. So this might be the episode where you might want to put the kids away because we may talk about some things that you may or may not want them to hear. That's up to you and your discretion because you could be listening to this on the treadmill or doing like I do when I fold up laundry. However, you're here and we have Juliet here who's going to come in. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. And then we're going to talk about the, this, the holiday season and just self-care in general. If you are new here, you know that self-care is extremely important. Taking care of ourselves, especially for my ladies who seem to be more of a caregivers to others and place ourselves last. We are not doing that. We are reversing it, learning how to fill up our cups first before we fill up other people's. So with that being said, Juliet, welcome to the Conversations with uh, Toy family. Thank you for having me. It sounds like, thank God, you know, thank God you're, you're well again. And it sounds like this is an incredible podcast. Oh my goodness. How exciting. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. I had the flu for those who's probably wondering it was not COVID. Everything is not COVID anymore. People, there are other, there are other things happening in this world that were happening well before COVID hit. So yeah. I had the flu. I had to take a little bit of a, you know, two week time off, but we're back and now we got you and we're doing great. Filling your own cup, right? And actually like making sure that you don't get depleted, which is so important. Super important. So let's get into some conversations with you. Uh, I see that you're a certified mind and body coach, but I want to get into the conversation about what intimacy and, you know, we talk about filling our own cups and sometimes as I, I'm sure men have the same issues, but I know for women, they have this issue with talking about intimacy because we're not allowed to be sexual beings. We're not allowed to have, you know, desire intimacy, whatever level that may be, because there's different levels of intimacy. So how did you get into what you're doing and how you're moving and helping other people? Well, I'm a mom of four kids and they're all in their early twenties now. So, uh, oh, you've I, made it. You've made, it. I'm trying to get, I, to I had again. four kids in under three years time. So it was crazy cray a little bit um and I got out of my marriage and then went into another relationship with a guy with three kids so we had seven children between the two of us and overgiving was my pattern mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was not until my body actually gave up and I started fainting and spent nine months in hospital that I listened and sometimes it gets to be rock bottom you have to hit rock bottom for you actually to wake up and like what the heck why, why am I, I here what did I do yeah what the heck did I get here 
right and i'm sure people can relate maybe not exactly the same story but it's like oh whoa i have not put anyone i've put everyone else in front of me except for myself right so that was like massive eye opener and that really fast forwarded me into coaching into self care into helping others um take care of themselves first right and at first i must say my kids were like what oh, what the hell, mommy? You know, you're, <laughs> I was like, complete overgiver. So it was just like, you're saying no? You've got yeah, they're not listening. All of a sudden? They're not what used to it. They're this? so used to us saying, mommy will figure it out. Don't worry, I got it. Cause I have three. So I already know my kids, you tell them no, or I have to do something for me, or this is my night, total problems. Well, that's it, right? And they kind of, you, you get used to, they get used to you being around and actually picking up their stuff or or them, you know, when they're emotionally upside down, which is <laughs> great. I still do that. And there's now also it's like, hey, when it suits me, right? Okay. When I'm actually okay, when, when I'm in a state that I can talk to them. So, or, you know, that I'm emotionally available for them. So one of the biggest things I think for me was um, what, you know, because I've got a set of twins and then two boys, mm. all of them very close together. They'd come in and they blah, 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 and just like vomit over me, whatever happened. And it was like, you know, put the hand on like, hey, stop, take a breath. Ask if I'm actually available for this. Look at me. Am I on the phone? So, right. Oh, sorry, mommy. <laughs> yeah, so when I started coaching a lot, they would just barge in. I'm like, no, you can't you do that. that. You got to just take a breath and actually see what I'm doing. And it's made them so much more aware of what's actually going on in the world. Right. That not everything is they're centered stuff, around right? them. Right. Centered yeah, it's not centered around them. And they've become beautiful adults and that are super caring and, and actually help out a lot of their friends as well. They've yeah, the coaching has um, paid off because they rubbed off, rubbed off on them. Coaching their friends. <laughs> How do you, you know, what's your biggest complaint when you when you bring in someone and they're like telling you that they're having issues with like intimacy or they're having issues connecting or they're having issues with just like figuring out what what it is that they're bringing to the table? Because I feel like that's the best way to figure out. Like you can't connect with somebody else if you haven't figured yourself out. Completely, and that's probably the biggest thing that comes up people have been married for an x amount of years they absolutely adore each other they love each other but they've become like you know like roommates so they don't speak about intimate things they don't actually share things except for the kids or what needs to be done in the house or or the chores all that kind of stuff or business right they don't even share intimate things like it doesn't have to be sex but about their dreams what what they don't want out of life and you tend to kind of forget this so intimacy is is really beautiful because in workshops and in community you can actually be really intimate with another person and tell them about your life and how you feel about things and what emotions you have coming up without actually being physically intimate but you can there's there's you give them a piece a look into you what really wants to come onto the outside so that's that makes people a bit afraid because they're like oh yeah but we've learned how to button ourselves up you know we have this beautiful exterior and then if you just scratch a little bit and ask a few questions it will come tumbling down Hmm. so communication i would say is the biggest thing 
So let's talk about, let's say we have a couple listening and they're like, you know, we, they're doing all the things you're saying. Like, you know, I've been with my husband for 10 years. So it's like, you get used to the, like you said, the business of the family, like running a family is like a business. You're, You're trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work. You're trying to figure out how to be efficient. And then you forget that your person is a person. So you tend to overlook the things that you used to look overlook, or you tend to forget about them being a human instead of just being your person. And so how do how do people, how do you get a couple to get back on track? So there's a few ways. I would say, first of all, make some time for each other. Make mm-hmm. a date morning. I, I usually say morning because people are so used to going out at night. And I like break the pattern, you know, break, do a pattern interrupt. When when your brain has a pattern interrupt, it's like, oh, this is kind of cool. Right. So time, make some time for the two of you. No kids, no phones, no mm. talking about, about school or work or any of that stuff. But really start like wooing each other, courting each other again. It's like, what was it about this person that I loved? Right. Yeah, and, and actually that's some of the homework I give them. It's like make list, make write 20 things down that you absolutely loved about this other person. And then you can share that. And then and, you know, now have you had people say, I don't know 20 things about the person that I'm with. Yes, I have. Okay. And I'm like, okay, so then what are the qualities that you love about him? Let's, you know, we'll I'll coach him through. And it's like, oh, okay. I love that he's actually really kind. And he okay. makes me coffee in bed every day. I'm like, great. Because we're so used to seeing the negative stuff that we don't take time to actually see the positive things. And then, you know, where you put your attention on, that's what grows, right? That's, you just get more of that. Right. So really yeah. like, like do some gratitudes there. Now, have you ever had a couple where you kind of like knew, like after you've talked to them, you kind of coached them or had conversations with them and you knew like maybe it was time to pull the plug. Have you ever had that ever happen to you? Oh, I've had some, some people that consciously uncoupled. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, my ex-husband and I did that in a really beautiful way and, and we're still massively good friends. Um, I actually spent, spent the, the day yesterday with him and my kids in London, in the UK. Um, which was just it, it's a beautiful way to have respect for each other right to do the best for the kids yes yeah, so sometimes that is what you get to but you know give it your all because a lot of times it's just like you know people will come to me it's like he always or she never and when you hear those phrases he always or she never or you know whatever gender whatever phrases they use but it's like oh this insinuating there's always something wrong or they're never doing and and you know you look on it's, it's lack you're looking at what is lack what's what's lacking in, in life and yeah. if you can spend 20 minutes doing one prompt together actually getting a communication across not a conversation not to know right. who's right but actually communicating what is important to you so I get people to time this, put on a timer for 20 minutes, and then I give them one prompt only. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like one prompt, because the deeper, the more we ask that prompt, actually the deeper you can go. So it would, could be something like, tell me what intimacy means to you. Hmm. What, what sex is, or tell me what you love about our relationship. And but then to do that one prompt and one person answers and the other person just says thank you, right? 
they don't go into it. They don't, they don't say, oh yeah, I think so too. And it's like, no, we've heard your communication. Thank you. It's a safe space that you can actually communicate. You can bring what's on the inside out. You can actually be intimate without having to have physical intimacy. And this is always what I do with my peeps that haven't had sex for like 23 years. I'm like, okay, we're like, we're taking sex off the table completely. Okay. We're creating intimacy this way. And then oftentimes after two, three weeks, they're like, you know, we're back at it. We're we're having sex again. I'm like, there you go. Because that's it. That's what it is. Right. It's like, what do you love about life? Tell me. And we, we were not interested in each other anymore after so many years because we've just get you know, into a rhythm of life, like you said. Now, is there things that men and women do differently that can create intimacy outside of the bedroom? Meaning, you know, before you even tap in to get into the bedroom, is there something that men or women do differently or need differently to establish before that can be something that becomes their natural flow? Well, it's really funny because men and women also communicate very differently, right? Mm -hmm. So women, we are quite emotional often, right? And we will want our man to hear our story, not to fix it. And men are often fixers, right? They're like, okay, so what's the point of our story? How can I fix it? How can I make it all right? And then for us, what we actually want is just someone to just say they're there or, you know, hey, I hear you. Mm -hmm. I hear you. That might have sucked. Or, hey, that was great. I hear you. How cool. We don't need we don't we don't need to be fixed. So it's it's not the damsel in distress anymore. So that's first, I would say, like get that energy out because right. I mean it's an energetic thing, right? We can feel energy on on each other, and then different people have different ways into pleasure. So mm-hmm. some people you know, need a really tidy room. It's like socks on the floor, underwear is going to drive them crazy. It's going to go bananas. So, I mean, first of all, I would say both of you treat it as a date. So what, right. what do you do before when you go on a date? You take a shower, you dress nice, you, you know, get all good and smell good. Yeah, and so you, smell get, good. you get the room already because, you know, you're trying to, you know, take it exactly. there at some point. Right. Exactly. So that's it. So, so start preparing that way for yourself or for your partner. Maybe have some music on, make sure that the phone doesn't you know, interrupt stuff, put some candles on. Yeah. You maybe know. do some dishes, do, 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 do a load of dishes. That's a very sexy thing <laughs> for my men. Like nothing is very much turning on and seeing husband knowing that he's like, if she doesn't want to hear it, his wife is tired, he'll go, go ahead and get the stuff together so she can then tap in. Isn't it funny, right? And sometimes it's the men actually that that want the woman to do the dishes because they're so tidy and then the woman aren't, right? So I mean, right. So they're like, oh, I can't do, they just see like, I can't, the room thing, like I can't, I can't have a lot of stuff on the floor. It can't be any of this. I have to come into a clean environment ready just to be like laid out for me. And that's it, right? Because so often we go into our head and we're like, oh my God, the sock's there. And did I, did I turn off the gas and where are the kids? And oh my God. (laughs) Did I shave down there? Ooh, you know. I'm yes. Like, did I put the laundry in? <laughs> oh, and, and, and 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 nothing is worse. Don't please take hear me clearly. Nothing is worse than having clothes on the bed, and you want to do things on the bed. There's just that does not help in any way. So definitely start. You'll start understanding also what what the other person needs, right? Because some people are very energetic, so they can already feel if a room feels a little bit off and they're like oof then there's the sensual that you know they can smell things and already go into whole full body orgasms and then mm-hmm. there 
there are different ways to find that pleasure. You know, some people might want to dance a little bit, eye gaze, um, before you even start touching. And knowing right. that's the biggest thing. People don't know what kind of touch they like. Mm. So that's an exercise I take them through. It's like, so, yeah, the 20 minutes, how would you like to be touched? And you mm. say, well, you know, I'd like you to stroke my hair away right behind my ear and then pull your finger down to my clavicle. Right. And then you, know, you give them permissions, like, do you actually want to do it? Or is it just you wanted to express it? And then you can give adjustments so a bit slower, a bit faster. Okay, slow down. Mm -hmm. And so often, if there isn't any sex or anything involved yet, we can ask for what we want. But we don't know what we like. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's so many. Or we change too. Like we may change. And that's it. We so so often people want to have a like, okay, so we're gonna do this. I'm gonna touch her by her ear, gonna pull her hair a little bit, gonna like do that move next to her butt, and mm -hmm. then I'm in like and then we're girl. ready. It's like no and I'm like, um, we first of all need something else and we need more time. Like it's not gonna just happen. So I need you to build the anticipation up and keep you know, keep going. And that's it, right? Anticipation, flirting with each other. Yeah, those are Texting the things each other, doing all yeah, there's a lot of stuff yeah. you can do. Those are all the things that, that turn people on. And and honestly, for a woman needs 40 minutes to get really properly stimulated. Please say that one more time. Okay, so a woman needs between 40 and 45 minutes of foreplay to be properly um, stimulated before any penetration happens. Because so painful and it's dry and <sighs> no one should have painful penetration at all there's no at all whatsoever none and I feel like too some men are like well I gave her five minutes I don't understand why she's not ready because I'm ready but like we're not so and if you want this hard. to be pleasurable because once you get to a point where you're having pain in sex that d deters you from wanting to do it if you're too dry and you're having all these things happen, you're not going to want to do it. You're not going to want to do it. It's going to become a chore because you're going to be like, am I ready to do this again? And then I don't really want to tap in because it's not enjoyable. Completely. So, but that's also why actually penetration can be taken off the table. It's like, okay, well, let's explore each other's bodies. Let's give a massage. Let me focus on your hands. See how mm -hmm. you and you can just go to completely different areas, which aren't erogenous, but then see what a deep connection that builds. Very true. So yes. what have been some of your biggest, like, we talked about some of the things that you'd experienced with talking with intimacy. What would be your two top issues that you see come in constantly? I see a lot of sexual trauma and a lot of body mm -hmm. shame. And the two are often very linked. Um, but then also understanding pleasure. People think it always has to be sexual pleasure. But pleasure mm -hmm. is like, what brings you joy? Right. What are the things that, that you like that, that you, know, you can fill your cup with? Yeah. But I do like that you mentioned, well, I don't like it, but I'm glad that you mentioned about sexual trauma and uh, fat, you're not fat shaming, body shaming, um, because we, the way you feel about yourself does get tied with if you've had any type of sexual trauma and you may not see yourself as a sexual being, you may struggle with that because 
of whatever you've gone through. And I think a lot of people don't realize that men, both men and men and women don't understand that it does affect the intimacy level that somebody is trying to bring in. And sometimes the issues that you're having could come from that and people don't want to explore that. Completely. And I think trauma is such a buzzword at the moment. And some people are just like, it turns them off completely. It's like, I'm, I'm cool. Yeah, I've had a really good- I don't have any trauma. trauma. But you know, if you define trauma as anything that happened too quick for either your mind, your psyche or your body to process, then all of us have had that, right? We've all fallen down and shocked ourselves and like, oh, okay. Sexual trauma, (laughs) the way that someone looked you up and down. Or the way that you got catcalled on the on the street. On the street, because it that like, happens twenty eleven like times. Right. Or or the way that, you know, an uncle might have grazed your the, the the side of your, you know, your hip a little bit too closely. It's anything that you actually felt uncomfortable. Right. And let's be honest, I think pretty much all of us in this world have felt uncomfortable the way that someone has looked at us or has perceived us. I know that's right. How do you uh, keep yourself, your mindset clear and, you know, keep yourself grounded with the fact that you're talking to people with so many different topics, so many different levels of whatever they're bringing in? Does that ever weigh on you? I do a lot of self-clearing. <laughs> I of, yeah, I do a lot of clearing. I'm, I'm just about to launch uh, a certification of actually of, of how to get through a lot of this stuff myself. Uh, I'm a hypno- hypnotherapist. So I, I do use basically a lot of different tools. And yeah, at times you're like, is it ever going to stop? <laughs> and then it's like, oh yeah, it's, it's not as, I don't get triggered right. I don't get activated by other people's responses anymore. And if I do, and I'm like, oh, okay, so what are they marrying back to me? What, what in me ha- has gotten activated? So there's definitely that. Um, for me, it's also, I, I see the whole body shaming thing as, you know, I, I lost probably half my body weight because I had four kids in under three years time. So I put on a lot weight every time <laughs> and yep. as a kid growing up I had massive boobs mm-hmm. so you know people would look at my boobs and like hey my face is up here the eyes are up here look up here yeah, do you not <laughs> see me don't go down there's nothing there for you come up here that's it so you get self-conscious you start hunching your shoulders and um after that it's like whoa okay so people just see me as who, yeah as what I look like right inside there's there's a much deeper being that wants to come out and that's afraid yes I understand it now the holidays are here and oftentimes we get so caught up in trying to do too much yes. or the wrong people or just do too much in general like I've, I've been confirming and like like telling people to encourage people to say no like sometimes this whole saying yes to everything is just not it's not it at all completely and a beautiful way to actually muscle test that is to stand up and to ask yourself is your name whatever you know your your name is and then to notice what happens to your body does it sway forward does it sway backwards then ask yourself another question is my name someone else who who you aren't and then notice what the no is so you'll you'll start noticing what your yes and your no is right because all right our subconscious gives us so many messages all the time 
so that you can also kind of like when people say hey do you want to come over for for christmas or do you want to end the holidays can we come 10 of us and you're like no check into yourself and say no and no is a complete sentence you don't need to say no and or no no because i feel like people don't realize you got into the point where you've gotten grown enough to use your no muscles without explaining them no is the explanation it's the it's the answer it's the everything so beautiful i just we i co-led a retreat and that's what we did one of the exercises going around say saying no to people and at first it felt really uncomfortable and then after a while oh man, I'm really standing up for myself here. People were standing taller, they were more erect and they're like, oh, I like saying no, good. <laughs> yes. so say no. And have your boundaries, you know, a boundary is not a request. It's not like, oh, when you speak to me, like I don't want you to speak to me like that. That's fine. Like, That's don't talk to me like that again. Like we walking off, we're not, we're not doing it. That's it, a boundary is like, you're talking to me like that again and I'm leaving. Right. All right, so it's you are taking the consequence. So you will remove yourself from, um, you know, from a situation and be willing to go through a bit because that is a communication that you're making to yourself, that you matter. Everything mm-hmm. in life is a communication. It's like you're actually standing up for yourself and like, whoa, I am important. And yes, right. you are. You are definitely important. Um, so, what are some of your, what is Yes. What is your self-care go-tos? Like what is your <laughs> make make sure that you sleep enough. Okay. So don't go to bed too late because that is just something that starts kicking in, right? Um, taking time for yourself in the morning. I, I like to meditate, other people like doing other things. But when you have that 20 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever time it is for yourself, you start the day much better. Uh at night, I like to call three things to mind that were great. I used to do this hmm. saying, hey, what were what was the best thing about your 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 day? What are two things that you're grateful for? So that you just start pulling more of that in. Um, baths for me, Epsom baths are really important. But not if it becomes a little, oh, I'm gonna tick it off my to-do list. Just mm-hmm. like what can you do? Like set your timer um, once or twice a day for 90 seconds. Put everything down, take a breath in through your nose out through your mouth and just do a body check what's happening in my body okay so there's some stuckness in my my chest great what does it feel like does it have any heat is it cold what's the texture like just to really notice what's happening in your body what emotion am i feeling what thoughts are coming up and really allow yourself to be with them and it invariably takes less than 90 seconds to move through that and then it's like oh i'm much more present here now exactly. and that's you want to be present for what's happening right now because we're always pulled into the into the future or in the past about things that went wrong things that might go wrong and instead it's like oh actually this moment it's feeling pretty good Right. And I needed this moment. Like I need this moment. And I always encourage people. Some people say that, you know, because self-care is a trigger word. Everybody's talking about it. But I feel like sometimes we don't even give ourselves permission to even enjoy it because we're telling ourselves like, oh, I know I need to practice self-care. But but, you know, and every time you make an excuse to yourself and you dishonor yourself by not giving yourself what you need, like you tend to find the frustrations elevated in certain areas because you're just not allowing yourself that time. 
you're communicating to yourself or to your higher power, to God, to the universe that you're not important. So self-care, I like to just say it's self-love, you know, and, and it could be as much as or as little as just like brushing my hair, taking, you know, three seconds more to brush my hair and not to do quick, quick, quick. Yeah, because like, you got to go out the door, like you just take your time, spend some time with yourself. Spend some time with that, like take a shower and, and, and take, I don't know, two minutes extra. You know, when you step into your car, just buckling your 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 seatbelt and just take a breath like okay can I just let's get through these pickups right when your kids are driving you're crazy go to the loo go to the bathroom for and lock the door in one minute (laughs) lock the door lock the door door because they will figure it out now my kids have gotten to the point where they know how to lock the door yeah and yeah. that's it. It's it's the little things because they start compounding, right? We do a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit in the morning. Yeah, when you have your coffee break, pretty smell the coffee, smell your beverage. That's good too. Like, oh mm-hmm. my god, am I getting it in the cup that I want? Am I actually, or am I just doing it in a, in a takeaway cup? But you know, what is it that you desire? I'm like, oh, I actually want. A, beautiful porcelain cup and then yes. with this me cup, and my cups are serious business like they will set the morning i'd be like oh let me get a new cup i haven't had in a while like because i have a collection so i'm like let me rotate the collection it does it does wonders people don't think it does but it does those are the little things i call them my bundles of joy so it's mm-hmm. like oh, little bouquets or or have like my my different kind of cups and with different teas that i want to drink at different times or like add a little bit of lemon to your water. It's just like little things like that make a huge difference. They do. All right. So how can people get in contact with you if they want to sit up there and get all the things that you are talking about? Maybe they need some coaching because they don't come to me because I cannot help you. But yet <laughs> got you. How can the people get a contact with you? And you guys know if this is the first time, I will have everything in the show link so that you can just click on it. You don't even have to think, but you can let them know. Amazing. So I do a lot of group coaching and my website is called feelfullyyou.com. I'm on Instagram, Juliette Caraman. It's a French spelling, double T-E and then Caraman, K-A-R-A-M-A-N. Uh, same on Facebook, Juliette Caraman. I don't use um, so much else. I'm, I'm going to say I'm not, not very much of a TikToker. <laughs> Listen, if you get those two platforms, that's actually the meat and potatoes of it. I mean, I know TikTok and all these other ones have taken on, but it's just another platform that you now have to learn how to use. So for those those two you're on, people are already on it. It makes more sense anyway. Yeah. And there's loads of like free meditations on my website and or or in the process of doing it. And so you can find me, just Google me online and you'll find Feel Fully You. Awesome. All right. Well, we appreciate your time and being with us on this episode. We are so grateful to have you. And you just, this was like such a good common conversation, like so relaxing. And that's, you don't always find that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's super important, right? To actually just be ourselves. We we weren't born with all these doubts about ourselves. We actually were born pretty like, you know, damn perfect. So, hey, let's get back to that. Well, thank you so much. 
Thank you as always for joining me. And I know that even in the deepest or joyful conversations, that there's something we can learn and apply. Until next time, I hope that you are doing better. If not, we will be back to talk some more and handle it. Peace to you and yours. Stay grounded.